Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Better Living Showcase. All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, News Briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your Wednesday afternoon headlines. Premier Mark McGowan says he only became aware that the Perth Mint's biggest client had raised concerns about the quality of gold that had been sold by the state-owned organisation a matter of days ago. The Premier was quizzed this morning by media about the extent to which he knew about an alleged doping programme that the Perth Mint ran between 2018 and 2021, at the same time the organisation was within his portfolio. Perth Mint Chief Executive Jason Waters on Tuesday admitted that the Mint had breached specifications of its major client, the Shanghai Gold Exchange, regarding the silver component within gold bars. However, he and Mr McGowan both maintain that the breach did not relate to the required 99.99% international gold purity standard, but that contained silver in the remaining 0.01%. Speaking today, Mr McGowan said he only became aware that the Shanghai Gold Exchange had raised concerns about the quality of the gold bars it had purchased from the Mint when the ABC released its report into the matter on Monday night. It is believed the Shanghai Gold Exchange first raised concerns with the Mint regarding the quality of the gold in September 2021. Mr McGowan, who was responsible for the Mint between 2017 and 2021, said he transferred responsibility for the Mint when he became Treasurer because it didn't have a natural synergy with his portfolio. Mr McGowan said Mr Johnson had been informed of concerns raised by SGE at some point in 2022, at least four months after the Board was informed in September 2021. Mr McGowan also said he had confidence in the Perth Mint Board, which is led by WA businessman and former Rio Tinto Chief Executive Sam Walsh, who joined the board in 2019. Mr Walsh, who has been contacted by Business News for comment, is yet to speak publicly on the matter. And in other news, the Supreme Court has strongly criticised Citic Pacific Mining for the way it sought access to additional land for its Sino-Iron project from Clive Palmer. Chief Justice Kenneth Martin described Citic's efforts to acquire additional tenure as unduly extravagant in scope and not reasonable. Justice Martin was ruling on the latest in what he described as a seemingly never-ending civil litigation war between the two parties. They stem from Citic operating the Sino-Iron project in the Pilbara on mining tenements owned by Mr Palmer's company, Mineralogy. Citic has spent more than $10 billion developing the project over the past decade, while royalties from the mine underpin Mr Palmer's fortune. Justice Martin said a fog of war that had prevailed for too long between the Sino-Iron project parties had seen them all behave towards each other in surprisingly uncommercial ways over time. Citic was seeking orders to support its 2018 request for access to additional tenements. It wanted more land for extra stockpiles of magnetite, extra tailing storage and extra waste dump areas. Justice Martin said the scope of Citic's request was revised downwards in 2021, but still had a number of issues. He explained that the good faith obligations mineralogy owed to Citic only required Mr Palmer's company to consider a request for additional tenure if it was reasonably required. Justice Martin said the requests were desirable or optimal, but did not meet the required higher threshold of being areas shown to be essential, necessary or critical to support, or to advance the continued operation of the Sino-Iron project. Justice Martin said mineralogy was entitled to seek a commercial level of payment in return for providing additional tenements. Justice Martin found other shortcomings in Citic's request, including failure to allow sufficient time or provide sufficient technical information. And in property news, a 21-storey commercial tower estimated to cost $137 million in the Perth City Link area has been approved by Development WA. Development WA recently gave the green light for developer Far East Consortium's 21-storey project proposal at Lot 9 of Perth City Link along Rose Street. The Perth City Link covers 13.5 hectares of land and aims to connect the CBD with Northbridge. 
The urban renewal project is expected to attract $5.2 billion with $3 billion from private investment. A report submitted to Development WA said the project on Lot 9 represented a $137 million investment, providing employment opportunities and further investment in the Perth CityLink area. And that's all from me this afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, senior editor Mark Byer and Jordan Murray discuss waste projects in Western Australia. Want to get more out of life? The Better Living Showcase has exactly what you're looking for. WA's leading health, wealth and happiness event, packed with live presentations, interactive performances, networking, investment, health and financial advice. You name it. It's all about helping you live your best life. March 18 and 19 at the Perth Convention and Exhibition Centre. Get your tickets now at betterlivingshowcase.com.au. Welcome back to our Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray, today joined by Senior Editor Mark Byer. Mark, how are you today? Very well, thanks, Jordan. Mark, you've taken a look at the decidedly unglamorous world of waste recycling for the latest edition of Business News, and based on what you've written, it seems there's a lot of rubbish out there. There certainly is, Jordan. Uh, yeah, look, I've written on and off about the waste industry for many years. Uh, as you say, unglamorous, uh, but I find it fascinating because you know, one of the popular themes that people talk about these days is ESG, environmental, social and governance. So people are keen to tick the box and they talk about global warming and greenhouse gases and so on. But I like to look in our own backyard and look at things like how do we handle all the waste that gets generated here in Western Australia. Latest figures, Western Australians produce 6.4 million tonnes of waste per year. Now, out of that, about 60% gets recovered, quote unquote, um, so it gets sort of sorted and managed in some way. Still leaves a lot of waste going into landfill. Um, that's about 2.5 million tonnes still gets dumped in landfill every year. and that is still well short of the target that the government has set. And there's a long-term pattern here where Western Australia fails to meet its own targets. Let's talk about stockpiling, because it would seem to distort the data a little bit based on what you've written about, particularly in the construction sector. Uh, M8 Sustainable is a company that you wrote about in this piece, and they've run into some issues recently. Uh, What's going on there? Yeah, well, look, the one area that Western Australia appears to be doing well on is the handling of construction and demolition waste. Um, In that area, uh, we're ahead of target, uh, a recovery rate of about 84%. So you think, wow, that's really good. Much better than municipal or household waste, um, much better than commercial and industrial waste. However, when you scratch a bit further, Um, about half the waste that's generated each year is from construction and demolition. So just think of all the old buildings that get bowled over, um, all the old roads that get ripped up, etc. Problem is, it's about 2 million tonnes of materials that are being stockpiled. So they haven't gone into a landfill, they haven't been recycled, they're just sitting on a block of land somewhere. And a lot of that is construction and demolition waste. And everyone acknowledges this is out there, and even the Waste Authority acknowledges that this um, distorts the statistics they report. Uh, but as to now, nothing has really been done about it. And what can we do here in WA to solve these issues? And what initiatives is the state government particularly undertaking to support recycling of these construction materials? There's a lot happening in this space. The question for me is, 
whether all the initiatives are adequate to really shift the dial. So I've caught up with some people from the industry, from the Waste Management Association, and talked about what they'd like to see happening. Uh, one is to get a bit more um, certainty around the future of the landfill levy. One of the big issues there is that that levy only applies in the metropolitan area. So what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of waste gets trucked outside the metro area and dumped in landfills in regional locations. So that's not very sensible from a statewide perspective. Another one people are looking for is to see more leadership from government agencies in terms of purchasing and using recycled materials. Um, and I'll come back to that in a moment. And a third one that's related to that is in fact the definition of what constitutes waste. So for example, when you demolish an old building and there's lots of concrete there, is that concrete waste or is it actually material that has uh, stored value and can be reused? Similarly, when you do a land subdivision, you dig up lots of dirt. Now, does that dirt get trucked away and dumped in the landfill or does it get reused in some way? If we have better systems in place where you can actually track all that material and have a degree of control over the quality of that material, it can be reused. One good example is the Roads for Reuse program. So main roads have started using uh, recycled demolition waste, particularly crushed concrete, as road base. Um, they started doing this about three years ago and they've used about 180,000 tonnes of crushed material. So, you know, encouraging. People want to see a lot more of that kind of thing. Um, other things the government's doing, you know, one of the big pushes is the three-bin FOGO system. So FOGO stands for Food Organics, Garden Organics, that's the third bin. And councils that have that system in place achieve much better rates of reuse and recycling. So that's a big push and the government's tipping some money into that. Uh, whether it's enough to get all councils around Perth over the line remains to be seen. Uh, also tipping some money into areas like uh, recycling of e-waste, plus things like banning single-use plastics, uh, banning the dumping of e-waste in landfills. Um, I caught up with Waste Authority Chair Elizabeth Carr. Now, you know, she looked on the positives. She says WA is leading the nation with its plan for plastics, and she described the Containers for Change scheme as a huge success. Um, so there are some positives there, but it's not all positive. Indeed, and despite what the government is doing already, there are some delays for some notable projects that you highlighted in your article. Yeah, so two years ago, the state and federal governments came out and they contributed about $65 million to a whole range of recycling projects. And this is particularly for products like uh, tyres, uh, plastics, paper and cardboard, because historically a lot of these things have just been shipped offshore, bundled up and sent off to Asian countries um, and you know, sometimes to be recycled, um, often not. So export bans are being put in place for a lot of those products. Um, funding was put in place to build one. Uh, one of the big ones was a, a pulp plant, so to recycle old cardboard and paper. That was going to be an $85 million investment. Uh, Suez and a Brisbane company, Auswaste, were going to do that. Not happened. Um, the Waste Authority says there's more announcements due on that front, so hopefully they found a new proponent to do something there. Uh, also in plastics, um, a couple of ASX companies, Pact Group and Clean Away, they were given a chunk of government money to build a plastics recycling plant. Not happening. Uh, those two companies are building recycling plants on the East Coast, obviously a bigger market, uh, but WA hasn't uh, caught their attention yet. 
Um, but there is some progress on that front. There's a Taiwanese group uh, trades here under the name of Chere Sustainable Plastic Co. Uh, they're looking to invest about $20 million in a plastics recycling plant at Canning Vale. Uh, now, delayed, you know, they were meant to be up and running, but, um, you know, COVID and all sorts of other issues have intervened. Uh, but they're about to start installing their equipment at a site in Canning Vale. So that's you know, one positive. Switching gears, Mark, tyre recycling was into that area that you looked at. Uh, what's the big story on that front? Yeah, look, several companies received, received grants from government to kickstart more recycling there. Uh, it already happens to a degree. You know, huge numbers of old tyres um, that you know, come off cars and trucks. Again, you know, this used to be just bundled up, put on ships and sent to other countries. And that, in fact, still happens to a large degree. Uh, that material, uh, I think they call it tyre-derived fuel. So it's a fancy name for burning old rubber, particularly to manufacture cement in places like India and Malaysia. So when we talk about cleaning up the planet, you know, these things still happen in a big way. Uh, but locally, uh, there's a local company out of Malaga, 4M Waste. They've got a recycling plant up and running. Uh, there's another company, uh, Tire Cycle. They're a big player nationally. Uh, they're going to build facilities in Rockingham and Port Hedland uh, to expand what they're doing. And then a local firm, Complete Tire Solutions. They're already in the market and they're going to invest about 20 mil out of Jandicott um, for what... Um, they're saying will be the very first facility in the country that can recycle the big tyres that come off the haul trucks in the mining industry. Uh, you know, at the moment, a lot of them just get buried in the desert up in the Pilbara. Um, so uh, a few encouraging signs. Lastly, you took a look at waste to energy projects, which as you noted, actually dwarf a lot of what's going on with other recycling facilities. Tell me, what is it that's going on with those? So look, there's two groups, one called Avertus Energy, the other one called East Rockingham Waste to Energy. They're building uh, two giant facilities to recycle uh, a large volume of municipal waste. Um, between the two of them, they're going to take about 700,000 tonnes per year of municipal waste um, and essentially burn it to produce energy and then get some other byproducts out of it. Uh, like a lot of big projects we're seeing in Western Australia, they're facing delays in construction. They're facing big cost increases. Uh, we've also reported online, um, keen readers will see that there's been disputes in the court um, involving Athiona. That's the big Spanish engineering contractor. It's in fact in charge of both those projects um, and run into legal issues. Uh, so look, when they get up and running, they have potential to really fundamentally change sort of the waste treatment environment in WA, um, but they've got a way to go before they get there. But in the meantime, you know, they've signed up most local councils around Perth um, and people are keen to see that happen. To read more on this one, head online now to businessnews.com.au or pick up the latest edition of Business News. In the meantime, Mark, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Jordan. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au. Today's episode about Close of Business is sponsored by Better Living Showcase.